There's really nothing you can do in a modern enterprise where cybersecurity is not or should not be considered. And that makes it kind of stand apart from all of the other amazing technologies that are emerging these days. There are a few publications that have stood the test of time. SC Media's SC Magazine is one that over the decades has continued to improve, expand, and align with industry needs. And the new editor-in-chief, Jill A. Toro, has plans to keep it moving forward. In addition to her role at SC Media, Jill is also the editorial director at Cyber Risk Alliance, where she oversees content development for the Cybersecurity Collaborative Network of Chief Information Security Officers. Prior to joining the Cyber Risk Alliance, Joe worked at Sightline Media as editor of Defense News and executive editor of the Business to Government Group, guiding and developing the editorial strategy for federal outlets and the cyber brand Fifth Domain. Previously, she had worked for the Washington Business Journal and NextGov, covering federal technology, contracting, and policy. Look Left's Davida Dinnerman recently had an opportunity to sit down with this award-winning journalist. Jill, how you been? Did you have a good summer? I, I had a strange summer, like the rest of us, right? <laughs> uh, true. Any travel? Did you Did you get to travel um, anywhere? We, we wouldn't didn't go. It may take as many trips as we would have otherwise, but we did go see family in South Carolina on a lake. So we very got out of the house, which is probably the top priority these days. Very very nice. I'm sure your new gig is keeping you plenty busy, but it's nice that you got some R and R. Yes. So w- one thing I'd love to ask, and um, is if you hadn't gone into publishing. What else uh, might you have done? Wow, that's a great question. Thank you. Um, uh, I could probably have seen myself enjoying going into law. Um, I I feel like there's probably a lot of journalists out there that might say that. I have a great interest in in public policy um, and, you know, uh, the particulars of on how people approach certain situations. So I think uh, being a lawyer would have been interesting um, is one thing. When I was when I was a kid, I had a brief stint of wanting to be a zoologist, which I rapidly realized was not a good idea because I'm terrible at science. So thank goodness I landed where I did. Okay, sounds like even the uh, the federal thing uh, interests carried over anyway, so you could get your fix a little bit. Absolutely. (laughs) So uh, that's interesting. I always like to hear what uh, what people's kind of other passions are, interests. But uh, I'd like to also ask um, why SC Media and Cyber Risk Alliance, and why now? Yeah. So um, you know, I came from Sightline Media, and I was um, leading the B two B group day to day, running Defense News. And I will say, I enjoyed it very much. I had been in the federal in defense space for about 20 years. But I think I always, throughout my career, um, what I had the most passion for was the what you might call the tech innovation. I've always reported on technology throughout that time frame, And it was those pockets of technology um, where you saw companies and end users really transforming processes and how they did things and how they combated their challenges. And I always really kind of was inspired by that. When I was at um, Defense News, you know, I, we looked a lot in terms of, you know, the Silicon Valley startup community trying to really help DOD modernize warfare. You know, all of that was really where my heart was. And cybersecurity, needless to say, 
is the underlying to me component of all innovation. Mm-hmm. And so when I was approached, you know, I found that interesting in terms of the subject matter. I think, you know, cyber will remain top um, in terms of priorities for all organizations across all verticals. And it's always changing. So it's not going anywhere. So I love that subject matter in terms of that innovation component. And then I really always enjoyed, um, even at Sightline, you know, I spent a lot of time focusing on enabling digital media, on taking, you know, brands that had focused, had a history of print, you know, which we all love, um, but for better or worse, you know, the audience is moving on. And so a lot of my priority had been enabling these terrific media brands to truly embrace what digital journalism has to offer. And that is something that we're doing at SC Media. That's a priority. Um, And so that was also exciting, being in at the ground floor as they made that move more dynamically Um, and building something. Cyber Risk Alliance, you know, is a company that's really has a terrific, exciting vision. And I loved the idea of being a part of that vision and helping to execute on that vision. So for all those reasons, it was an opportunity that I found very exciting and came at the right time. You said something that I want to expand upon. I think what you said was cyber is the underlying factor to innovation. When I first came on board, I wrote a bit of an editor's note and I made this point that um, cybersecurity in and unto itself is an amazing technology, obviously, um, very innovative and everything happening in terms of cybersecurity is amazing. But it's also such an enabler to all um, really all technology, but even just all processes across a business. So. There's really nothing you can do in a modern enterprise where cybersecurity is not or should not be considered. And that makes it kind of stand apart from all of the other amazing technologies that are emerging these days, um, because it truly is the enabler for all, for artificial intelligence and certainly cloud computing. There's always this component, if you want to really execute on those technologies correctly, of cybersecurity that needs to be considered. So, um, you know, and I think it took a long time perhaps for markets to recognize that and to not treat cybersecurity, you know, as a bolt-on capability, but I do think we're getting there. And the best, those that really kind of view cybersecurity in the most effective way understand that this really has to be top of mind across the organization at all times. So you think companies both in the private and public sector are moving toward there? And if they're not, what would you suggest? I'd say they're, they've made a lot of progress. You know, if I look back when I started reporting on cybersecurity, um, you know, many years ago, um, they were further behind. It was something that folks were finally starting to say, oh, this is a very real concern. But it was very much an afterthought in terms of technology Um, implementation. And I would say right now, um, certain verticals are further ahead than others. Obviously, we always hear finance is probably the furthest ahead for good reason in cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, perhaps there's others that really have further to go. I think healthcare probably often because of budgetary challenges, you know, finds themselves challenged in some of these areas. Um, government in some ways is very far ahead in other ways has, 
you know, a ways to go. But um, I think there's a lot of organizations that right now are going through a digital transformation, um, trying to. And um, I think they are paying close mind to the cybersecurity impl implications of that. Um, mm -hmm. So we're not there yet, but we've certainly come a lot further than we were a decade ago. And, you know, I think at the very least, most organizations recognize that this is a very real concern and a re very real factor. It's then figuring out how to get the expertise, the budget, you know, the skill set um, to be able to handle it correctly. And that's always going to be a challenge. Between the public and the private sectors, how can each learn from the other? Maybe there's voids in one that the other can fill in and, and vice versa. Yeah, it's funny. It reminds me of a, a big project, and I mention this project often, so if any of your listeners have heard this before, I apologize. But before I left um, Defense News, we were on the second year of doing a project called Culture Clash. And the premise was essentially... Um, I would do a roundtable out in California, kind of on the sidelines of the Reagan Forum, um, and bring together DOD innovation leaders and Silicon Valley startup um, executives and venture capitalists to figure out why they couldn't get on the same page. And it was this really amazing, we would sit there for three hours, we filmed the whole thing, and just have them talk through some of the disconnect and some of the challenges. And I think public sector and private sector function very differently in terms of how they develop technology, how they enable technology, how they fund technology. And that can often be a very big sticking point to enabling them to learn from one another. But I think I think that too, we're, we're getting to a place where there have been some improvements. There's organizations that are being formed to help enable um, better sharing of best practices. Um, there's there's new policies being put in place on the federal and DOD level to better enable them to pursue opportunities and commercial um, practices for how they um, integrate technology into their own systems and programs. So they still have a ways to go, but, but they're acknowledging it's a challenge. And I think the more there can be public-private collaboration and cooperation, um, the better. Sharing of information alone can go a really long way. Have you seen the needs of the professional, the cyber professional changing? And is it a tougher role due to more sophisticated threats uh, and the people behind them, the volume of tech solutions, tough to choose? That's a great question. Um, I think ultimately, I will start in the simplest form that ultimately what the end users really want is to be kept informed of the latest threats and the latest tactics. And the issue is in cybersecurity is that those are always changing and evolving. So, um, and I will add to that, what further complicates that fact today is we live in a very strange world right now. It's very changed um, 2020 from even two years ago. And yes, there's COVID and we're all talking about that, but there's other situations too. There's, you know, situations in terms of our trade relationships that actually impact how development happens. And there's even, I would argue, um, issues and tensions involving diversity that should matter to every business and every vertical. So all of these factors um, create a really interesting time 
for the cybersecurity practitioners of the world where they're having to juggle a lot, their role has evolved. And I think we like to think, I like to think that SE Media's role is um, understanding what they need to know um, to better do their jobs. And that does run the gamut from threat intelligence and um, you know information on the latest uh, technology development that's happening, but it's also about you know creating a di- you know diversity in the workplace and mm-hmm. um, you know enabling people who are working remote to understand the threats in their own home network. So it's just a very you know it, it's an evolving space always, and even when we are out of the current situations, there are going to be new challenges that um, that are going to face all communities, but certainly the cybersecurity community. So I would say they're always on the hunt for knowledge and expertise. Um, and, you know, that's kind of what I think the B2B market is there to provide. But uh, for the cybersecurity specifically, the, that community, that's what SC Media is hoping to also mm-hmm. Well, that they, yeah, people have to turn on a dime and not just the business, but the consumer. That actually segues well into, you know, when you joined SC Media and Cyber Risk Alliance, you wrote a post that outlined your priorities coverage that goes beyond the headlines, engaging with the cybersecurity community and leveraging a variety of content. So given the progress so far, um, what are you most pleased with? Oh, that's a great question. I think the level of um, the amount and... um, analysis of our content has, I'm really proud of right now. And I wanna of course preface it by saying that they did wonderful reporting before as well, but we've grown the team. Um, We just announced another hire of a reporter, which we're excited about. And so sheer resources alone um, and expertise in terms of reporting have allowed us to go deeper. And I think what I've been pressing on the reporters is um, communicating that even if a story is written elsewhere, we want the audience to still come to us to see what it is we have to say about that situation. Um, And it should go beyond just here's what happened to here's why this situation matters to you. Here's what it means to how you do your job. And I think um, some of the some of the reports we've been pushing out have really done an amazing job of that. we also, you know, as being part of Cyber Risk Alliance is exciting in that we have um, SC Media as the media brand, but we also have a multitude of other brands underneath that umbrella that include, you know, uh, we bought InfoSec, which is a live um, event company. We have a virtual event component, and that has really provided the ability to do a lot of webcasts. We just had um, our RISSEC 2020 event. Normally would be a live event. We had to go digital this year and the lineup was amazing. The conversations were terrific. So, you know, I think as a company, we have tried really hard and I think done a good job of being able to pivot with the times ourselves and still deliver um, on that mission of serving the cybersecurity community with information and collaboration. So I'm proud of all of that. We've been working hard on our women in security feature as well, which comes out at the end of October. Um, So I'm excited with how that is also moving along. But um, growing the team, I take pride in. We now 
we like I said, we hired a reporter. That's the second hire um, of reporters that we've made since I started only a couple months ago. Mm -hmm. um, so that makes a big difference. We have, you know, a lot of talent to be able to come at the market um, on all sides. And that's exciting. You can only do that with enough bandwidth. And I think we're at right. a now where we have the people to be able to do that. That's encouraging, given that mastheads have been shrinking over the last, even COVID aside. Yes. And it's, you know, it's it's putting some onus on organizations to uh, to be content producers. Um, but it's nice that you have that balance. One of the few publications out there that has not only an EdCal, but also a staff as well as opportunities for byline. So I know as a PR practitioner, I appreciate that. And so do clients. So uh, you actually touched on this and I'd like to talk a little bit more about the women in security, which I always enjoy seeing every October without giving away too much. I was wondering if there was anything that we may see that's different or surprising. Um, I'll say that we, well, first of all, we of course will honor, you know, amazing women, um, yes. you know, throughout, throughout the cybersecurity community. We're paying a lot of attention and focus um, also to the editorial content we will have surrounding those honorees. Um, we're doing um, an in-depth feature that looks at, you mentioned diversity, that's actually looking at the benefit and influence of women coming into this community from all around the world. So we're get, doing a bit of a look at how women who perhaps are trained and gain expertise elsewhere in the world and then come to the United States and engage with this community and participate and have a voice, you know, how how big an impact that can have in terms of, you know, we as a community in the U.S. learning from all the communities around the world. Um, so I'm really excited about that. We're also doing a webcast series, which is really going to be at the core of the content we produce where um, we are speaking for three of them, we'll be speaking to leaders, cybersecurity um, women leaders in this community about their own experiences and not just about being a woman in the cybersecurity community, but about their expertise. Cause we don't want this to be about, right. you know, you're a woman, what is it like to be in the, we wanted to showcase the fact that these are cybersecurity leaders in their own right and that they have managed to overcome some challenges that were beyond their control and are leaders and you know providing a great service to this community because of that expertise so we're doing three webcasts speaking to women that you know on their own but the we have two other webcasts that are fascinating where we are taking what you might call veteran women in this community and sitting them down with incoming, you know, new to the industry women, folks that perhaps are only a few years into their careers in cybersecurity. So they can talk to one another about their experiences, how they were different, what they learned, um, what they hope to achieve, what they, um, how they hope the market will evolve. So it's almost like taking two generations of cybersecurity, um, leaders in cybersecurity, and having them talk through how it's evolved with one another. Um, so we're really excited about that too. I think it's a nice change that will provide just really interesting insight um, that we'll also be doing. So that all will be you know, unveiled that last week of October. Oh, you know, that last part, the mentoring is so crucial. And is that gonna be a one-time one thing? Are you gonna set up some kind of mentor program ongoing? 
so that there's a re- as a resource. Yeah, so we haven't yet. That's a great okay. question, but it's not off the table. What I did put together as part of the women in security that we hadn't had before is an advisory group of um, leaders in this community who are providing input on, you know, topics on editorial coverage on, you know, just making sure keeping us um, honest in terms of how we are covering women in this market. And, you know, whether we expanded that to see if there was any opportunities to do something related to mentorship, um, we shall see. We haven't yet, but I wouldn't call it off the table down the road. Okay. I'll uh, we'll keep an eye out for that. Um, you also touched upon before uh, the skills gap, which is something that, you know, you see every third, fourth article, there's something yeah. about we have a skilled gap, skill gap. Is it due to problems with recruitment, retention, training, all of the above? What would, do you find? Yeah, I would probably say all of the above. I think there's mm-hmm. a great competition for talent right now. You know, mm-hmm. across, again, sort of like we talked about, cybersecurity is unusual in that all markets really need to have the expertise. And what even markets that perhaps before were not quite as digitally enabled now are trying to get there. So there's an incredible competition for talent. Um, and not enough people to fill those positions necessarily, at least yet. So I think that is an ongoing challenge um, across all organizations. We actually also just did a really great feature that looked at how socioeconomic status of a community influences their ability to address cybersecurity issues and, you know, whether rural communities have access to the skills or the funding that they need to to really kind of uh, tackle cybersecurity um, adequately or excel in that area. So there's always those challenges too. And, you know, that's not specific to cybersecurity. I'm sure you could say that about other areas, but like everything else, I think the skills that organizations are looking for are always changing. So that complicates factors. I think people that are even in organizations need to constantly be evolving their own skill sets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, the because the threats are always changing. And so therefore, yeah. our ability to respond has to keep changing. Right. You know, I thought of healthcare having social determinants of health and Maybe it's SDOS, Social Determinants of Security. Who knows? Or yeah. Maybe this because we need another acronym. I know. Right. <laughs> uh, I wanted to um, move into something about the evolve, the evolving nature of cyber. And have you found something surprising about the industry over the past few years, even COVID included or COVID aside, or the technology that has evolved in cyber? Have you noticed anything surprising or in a good way or bad way? Do you think it's uh, evolving well enough as far as the technology itself? Yeah, um, probably what I would say that I find at least most interesting and I think will you know, continues to be a challenge relates to what I said about kind of the digital transformation that so many organizations are um, trying to move toward. And I think it always paints this interesting kind, or sometimes creates this um, pressure to allow organizations to progress digitally, but with this need to address the threat at the same time. So I think it's creating a push and pull scenario for so many organizations um, that can be tricky. I think, 
cybersecurity can be an enabler to um, digital transformation, but only if it is integrated um, from the start. And so I think the companies and the solution providers and the developers that recognize that and try to help organizations move in that direction are going to do very well because there are so many companies that are feel like they're having to choose one or the other or accept, you know, a degree of risk, which all organizations mm -hmm. need to, but um, to be able to move in the direction that they want to. And, you know, I think the companies that can help them move in the right direction and progress without sacrificing um, system and data security are really right. kind of at the front end right now. Um, data, yeah. that is the key. It's, yeah. uh, that is that is the big cloud data protection yeah. uh, is so critical and it's getting political. And I know I know that's an area that that's a, again a whole other ball of wax. But yeah. it is. Um, you know, this thing, TikTok and the d data and whether they should store the data or not. I think it, it showcases the challenge. It's, it showcases what we're talking about right now. Mm -hmm. Right. That there's right. Such a demand, especially with some of the younger generations moving up. But there is such a demand for the constant access to data, to information sharing um, in real time at your fingertips. And I think it's creating a plethora of applications and services that are amazing, but um, there is this need um, to figure out security and data protection. Because to be honest, it's very often, depending on the individual, it's, it's they're not considering it. The user community is not always considering it. Mm -hmm. um, they trust in the application. They trust in the service without necessarily knowing exactly how their own information or their data is being managed. So the onus is often on the companies, the developers yes. to, to ensure that that's being handled properly. So mm -hmm. it's, tricky. it's an interesting time right now where, you know, um, we're seeing recognition of these factors a lot more and it's kind of forcing the conversation, which is great. I think I think people are waking up a little bit to, to where the data is going. It, it's a little, it's more transparent. So then they're, you, you don't know what you don't know. And all of a sudden you're putting your information out there, whether it's social media or otherwise. And then all of a sudden you get woken up and think, well, where's this going? And then then the questions start. And and then all of a sudden there's questions. And that's where all of the red legislation's coming in and trying to protect both the companies and the consumer. Oh, yeah. And, you know, without stopping business, you, right. know, you could be 100 percent secure, but you wouldn't be doing anything. So there's a balance, I suppose. Yeah. And it's like we're chasing yeah. after the problem, unfortunately. Right. Because right. right. development, you know, happens incredibly quickly. And I think sometimes some factors just you don't get a spotlight on them or recognize that they're issues until after the fact. So that's what's right. happening now. And obviously then there's breaches, there's situations constantly that, you know, prove it is a problem and a challenge. And yeah, you know, so you're trying to fix Fix, close the barn door, as they say. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, barns. There's a lot of barn analogies. I don't know. <laughs> barns, cows, fire. Yeah. Um, so I'd like, just getting to the end of the year and predictions. So I was wondering if maybe you had been thinking about predictions for the industry in the next year or two or even further out because given there's a little uncertainty. Any, any thoughts on that regard? Um, I would say, you know, 
what I think is for sure, and perhaps this isn't terribly insightful because others might feel this way as well and already talked about it, but I think the situation we're in now is going to transform the workforce and the way that companies structure themselves. And I mm. don't think, you know, when we get out of this COVID situation, which we will, I don't think everybody's going to run back to doing their jobs the way that they always did. So, you know, we talk a lot about, oh, we must secure workers that are now having to work remote. I think really what it's going to be is folks are going to have to reevaluate their tactics um, for securing their systems and their data for the long term, because it's not it's no longer it's not a short term situation. Some people will return to offices and get back to work and all of these other scenarios. But we're going to have a really interesting hybrid workforce, I think, starting in 2021. And companies are going to have to um, assess whether or not they are right now structured to be able to handle that. And so I do think that that's probably going to take up a lot of time in 2021 mm-hmm. without question. So I really like that answer because I think you're right. It's sometimes even the most obvious is the most sensible because Right now they're scrambling a bit, but there could be, quote, a new normal. But and even then there could be some dynamic nature of what hybrid or remote is. So, yeah, I think that's smart. I know we don't have a lot of time, but one thing I would like to ask is uh, if you wanted to talk to our audience and PR people about SC Media and Cyber Risk Alliance, if there's any other information you want to leave behind here and advice for PR folks when working with these organizations. Sure. Um, So like I mentioned, for those not familiar, Cyber Risk Alliance was established not too long ago, really, where it's only a couple years at this point, um, because there was identified by the leadership team a need to kind of unify some of the intelligence that was being provided to the end user community. It was we all know cybersecurity is just a mammoth market. And it was very disjointed, lots of great information out there, but very disjointed. So I think the mission is to be able to really meet all the needs of the cybersecurity community from a trusted source. And, um, you know, from events to obviously media um, to we have, you know, a, a collaborative group, a couple collaborative groups, we have a research arm, So it's really kind of trying to tap into all of the needs of that community. Um, SC Media obviously is uh, the media brand under that umbrella. You know, we are the the first distributor of content to that community. And our goal is really just to meet the needs of the audience and to be a partner with the audience to ensure that we are um, not overlooking uh, some of the information that they seek. So in terms of working with us, um, I would say certainly anyone who is curious, I would encourage to reach out to me when if they want to know more information about our team. Now that we've grown, we do have um, reporters that are handling different segments of the market. So um, that could be helpful to know. And I would say to just keep our our sweet spot in mind um, to call upon us when it's a story that really has relevance to the end user community um, and shoot us a note. And, you know, rather than blasting a press release at us and the rest of the world, we always do appreciate kind of a heads up on some interesting news or an interesting angle should you have it. 
Our thanks to Jill A. Toro for joining us on the Look Left at Marketing podcast. To stay up to speed on everything happening in cybersecurity, be sure to make scmagazine.com part of your daily online reading. And we hope you'll subscribe to the Look Left at Marketing podcast series as well on Google, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, we welcome your comments and suggestions for future episodes. Next up, Davida Dinnerman will sit down with Janice McCallum, a Managing Director for Health Content Advisors. It'll be an informative discussion of what's going on these days in healthcare IT and, in particular, data. And you're invited to sit in, of course. Thanks again for joining us on this edition of the Look Left at Marketing podcast. Till next time, be well.